you know, the biggest challenge for me with change in any business and technology is no different is people if give up too quick mm. and never give up, mm. never give up. You know, technology is never perfect. You know, new new technology will come along, mm-hmm. new upgrades will come along, but never give up. Just keep pursuing. Texas Global, sparking innovative thoughts. Hello and welcome to another edition of Texas Global Podcast with me, Chawadat Yong Jiranon Erpupe, the Texas Global Content Editor, with you always on our podcast conversations where we seek to find insight in various industries and sectors, uh, not only here in Thailand, but also in Southeast Asia. Today, we're going to take a look at food tech. And uh, one of the biggest companies that has been leading the trends that we're seeing here in the region is Express Food Group, or EFG, uh, which is a partner of choice for many corporates for uh, being a leader in food and beverage brands in Southeast Asia. Uh, for example, we have Minor Group and Food and Passion Group, uh, which has worked with them. So today, we're going to talk with Martin Darby, the Managing Director of EFG Holdings, who has joined the group since, I believe, 2019. He can correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, he is responsible for the EFG business in Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, uh, plus Palms Airport, FNB, Singapore. Sayika, so, Martin, hello. Hi, good morning to you. Did I get that right? You did indeed, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's going to be very interesting to to talk to you today because we're going to dive right into something that everyone uh, comes into contact with, and that is food and how it's changing, how it's being serviced, the technology that's coming into the industry. But before we get into the technological side of it and and, and your insight into the industry, tell us about yourself. You know, it's, it's very interesting how we've seen your business journey uh, come into, you know, this region, especially since you've had experience in leadership positions in giant, uh, you know, giant corporations uh, overseas. That's absolutely right. Um, I actually started my career working in kitchens of a celebrity chef's father's um, restaurant in the United Kingdom. The celebrity chef being Jamie Oliver, who I think many people in this part of the world will know. So, um, yes, I've worked in a variety of businesses, uh, but always consumer facing and always multi-site operations. So, I've worked for companies like Marks and Spencer in the retail space. I've worked for Vodafone in the telecommunications space. Um, I've even worked for a fitness company, um, but all different businesses, and of course, uh, an eclectic range of um, F and B, of which probably the most uh, famous around the world is Starbucks coffee. So I am the guy that uh, helped to bring Starbucks to the United Kingdom opening the first 200 stores um, way back at the turn of the millennium. So an exciting journey. Um, But as I say, in common, they are all customer facing. They are all multi-site with all the challenges and excitement that comes from that type Mm. of operation. So how did you find yourself being the manager director of EFG Holdings? Oh, I've been living here in Southeast Asia since around 2006. Um, I've worked in Singapore, in Indonesia, um, Vietnam, and uh, 
I was running at the time a business um, in Vietnam and uh, saw this opportunity to work with some absolutely fabulous brands. And uh, you mentioned some of our franchise partners, people like Minor Foods International Group, uh, International Dairy Queen, Krispy Kreme International, Food Passion Group. And, you know, I've loved brands. I'm a follower of brands. Um, mm -hmm. And I love F&B. And, and you mentioned earlier how we all interact with F&B. And here, you know, is a group of some of the best and well-known and loved brands in the world and an opportunity to work with countries and markets that are starting to explore and get to know these brands. And um, I just felt it was perfect timing and uh, I jumped at the wow. opportunity. Okay. And, 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 and a very interesting time as well. We'll, we'll get into yes. that. Um, but, you know, you as you mentioned, you've worked with big brands like Starbucks Coffee, Marks & Spencer. Um, obviously, uh, you've probably learned a lot uh, from your experiences in these big corporations. Can you share with us some of the key lessons you learned Oh, I, you know, I think some of the lessons are universal and they're not necessarily unique to our business or even necessarily the businesses I work for. You know, when you work in a business like um, the F&B business, it's a very people centric business. And therefore, I think it's absolutely critical when you join these businesses that you listen, that you you spend time. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I used to work in kitchens I make a point of spending time in the stores, um, trying the food, talking to the people, helping in the kitchens, um, exploring, visiting the factories, going to our warehouses, because that is a way you learn. Because, you know, whilst all the businesses have a lot in common, there are unique cultural differences. There are unique company differences. There are unique often process and, and different ways of doing things um, in terms of a business. And, you know, it is so important to come in with an open mind, but definitely listening, observing, watching, working alongside the people before you make the big strategic decisions. And, you know, I think we've all seen companies and, and worked in companies where sometimes people rush to make the decision. And there's often pressure in company to mm -hmm. make a decision. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think <laughs> that, that that induction time, that first hundred days, and then constantly refreshing that knowledge because the knowledge you gained when you you saw the insights you saw when you first joined the company need to be kept up to date. It's like a data file. You need to keep it up to date. You can't mm -hmm. rely on on your experience of some time in the past. And well, come on, I'm sure and talk about the experience of the last couple of years. But, you know, there's been a constant need to keep refreshed with the environment with which we work and the impact it's having on our businesses. Okay, now I'm I'm definitely uh, I have to ask you about this, and I, I'm sure I kind of skipped over a bit, but the the fact that you mentioned that you started off in the kitchen is probably something that's very interesting to our listeners mm -hmm. because you know it's a big jump, right, from from <laughs> working in the kitchen to like you know being a, a very high profile leader in, in a corporate position. How, how did you make that jump, or or how how was that possible? Okay, so I was working in kitchens part-time whilst I was studying, so I did go to university and I did my exams as well. But I think it's that combination of university of life and university of study that is important. And I've not only worked in kitchens, but I've worked behind bars. 
I've been a postman for a while. Wow. Um, you know, <laughs> I actually enjoy doing things and learning from those experiences. And I think, you know, what you find is you time you find reflective time, you find that you learn a lot. You know, and I know there's lots of famous programs where the boss goes undercover. Um, yeah. You know, I haven't gone undercover. I've been above cover. Everybody knows what I do. <laughs> and, you know, we have um, uh, the first of May is International Labor Day. And here in Express Food Group, we make it EFG Day. And on EFG Day, us, the management, actually spend the day doing the jobs of our people working alongside them and we'll come on and talk I'm sure we're now in the delivery business so that includes me dressing mm -hmm. up in the gear taking <laughs> the, the the satchel the bag and delivering the product to our consumers as well as helping in the kitchens and uh, as I say in our factories and I think that's important I think it's important from a team morale point of view but critically it's also important in terms of learning the small nuances and challenges that often our frontline workers face and they're not always obvious from looking at the numbers or through looking at a spreadsheet and that is where experience and working alongside people really is important and helpful you know when when people are 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 growing in their careers right uh, of course this is for those who who want to better themselves and develop themselves mm -hmm. uh, definitely there are big challenges that they have to face mm -hmm. um you have obviously, you know, tried and, and, and did different positions in the past mm -hmm. and, and have made mistakes or, or have sure. to had, you yes. know, those moments where you've had to make some, you know, important decisions on, on where your, your career will, will head to. Um, what were some of the, the biggest challenges for your personal career? I mean, like how, how did you navigate yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I have a, a, a long career um, uh, spanning probably 30 plus years. But, you know, some of the biggest challenges have actually been, to be honest, in the last two years. Um, mm. Because, you know, none of us in any industry have had to face a crisis that has no end or uh, hopefully mm. it has an end now. But at the time, it had no particular end. And a crisis that was very fast unraveling on multiple um uh, locations, multiple platforms, um, multiple aspects of the business, some supply chain issues um, caused by the pandemic to the obvious one of, you know, our employees and making sure they were uh, kept safe, um, to actually the physical restrictions that were imposed quite understandably by governments in countries where we worked, where we couldn't move from one part of a city to another. We couldn't resupply our restaurants. We couldn't we couldn't move our employees. We couldn't deliver to our customers. So I think the last couple of years have probably been some of the most challenging um, and including on a personal front. Um, you know, I'm a very hands on manager. I like to spend time with my people. I have not been able to travel to um, Laos or to Myanmar to see my team now for two years. Mm -hmm. That pains me. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's, mm -hmm. that's difficult for me. I also haven't been able to travel as frequently as I would normally do to Singapore to see my daughters and, and family. So, you know, there, there have been personal challenges that everybody's faced, um, obviously, during the last couple of years. But also, you know, business challenges that we'd never faced before. Mm. You know, we had, I'll be honest with you, we had a crisis management plan. I've experienced over the years terrible crises in different businesses, but we'd never had a crisis quite like 
the COVID-19 no. pandemic. Uh, and it's and the, yeah. the fact that it really tested, I think, all of us, um, but in some ways also brought us together. Because, you know, when there is no precedent, you have to make a precedent. And you make a precedent by spending time with people, by learning how to use um, Zoom, Skype, um, Teams and other ways. You know, we managed um, to bring all our training online pretty quickly. Uh, we managed to um, start to introduce video auditing as store. We rapidly um, adopted smartphone auditing because we physically mm -hmm. couldn't go to the stores. Um, yeah. So therefore, you have to find another way to keep your business going. And that means being creative. That means testing ideas. And, you know, you said um, uh, in your question about, you know, challenges and things that didn't work. Some of the ideas we did didn't work. That, that is the reality <laughs> of life. But, yeah. you know, the important thing is to keep trying, to keep learning and to, you know, try and stay ahead of the curve. But, you know, it's been challenging. Um, but nothing like as challenging as obviously has been for many people that work for us and many of our customers as well. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that, you know, you've had to be apart from your family there. Uh, but yet from from listening to you, definitely one of the key aspects is that, that maybe people can take away is that you really have to be flexible Right. You have to be yes. you have to be willing to change. As you said, you're you're, you're very uh, comfortable being hands on. And then, you, you know, you just had to change. And, and I think that's one of the key things. Um, and one of the changes that we're, we're seeing is food tech. Yes. Uh, it's technology. As you mentioned, you know, technology is coming into play more and more into the food industry. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience of what you've observed in terms of how the food tech landscape has been in the CLMVTV, uh, sorry, CLMVT? Yes. Um, you know, I mean, probably in many ways, one of the most noticeable changes that has impacted our business, um, but it is quite uh, revolutionary when you think back on it, is, you know, two years ago, 2019, before the um, COVID crisis, we were predominantly a cash business. Our customers paid cash in virtually mm -hmm. all the countries where we trade. Cash was still king. You know, today, probably half of our customers pay through digital payments. Now, that's a mm -hmm. phenomenal revolutionary change in quite a short period of time. It obviously impacts um, the amount of cash we have on site, which is obviously a positive. Um, but it also changes our back office systems as well, because you've got a lot more digital payments. So, you know, that would be a very, very obvious example of um, a change. Another one um, has been the growth and use of QR codes. Um, you know, a few yeah. years ago, QR codes were something we were dabbling with. We weren't sure whether mm, the consumer yeah. would adopt it. Now, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's definitely not uncommon that people come in and know how to scan. They will use a digital menu rather than a physical menu. Um, and, you know, we're using uh, QR codes on many of our marketing materials now, which we wouldn't have thought of a couple of years ago because it's become the norm. So I think, you know, they're very much um, things that have been pushed at us. Um, you know, the customers themselves have embraced the revolution, if you like, and, and changed. But there are many things we've also been working on behind the scenes. And, you know, one of them back in 2019, we could already tell that the delivery landscape was changing. Um, mm -hmm. And we were well, one of our key brands is the pizza company. So we've always been in pizza mm -hmm. delivery. But we could see that people were starting to order and 
there was demand for more products than pizza for home delivery. And we could see the growth of food band, Deliveroo, Grab and other aggregators in the market. So we took the bold decision um, in early 2020 that we would become a aggregator rather than a pizza delivery business. And we launched mm. uh, an e-commerce business in December 2020 called Hungry. That business last year um, had over 200,000 subscribers, turned over about a million dollars. And it's a fast growing business. Now, that business to me has no bricks and mortar restaurants or F&B. It is mm. a e-commerce business. We have a ghost kitchen. We have virtual brands like Eat Together, brands that we've created with our own chefs. And, you know, we're delivering products, multiple combined deliveries across now the whole of Cambodia, also in Laos and uh, recently launched in Myanmar. So that's um, a way we've embraced, if you like, apps as a way of also changing the whole dynamic of our business to become much more omnichannel in our approach. Mm. Now, what mm. we've seen in the last quarter is about 20% of people using the app, not for delivery, but for pickup. So now that mm. app is starting to change behavior. So here in Cambodia, you know, instead of picking up the phone to the call center, you're now yeah. booking your takeaway through the app. Uh, so, you know, that is quite a fundamental change, a fundamental change in the structure of our organization, the back office systems required, but being led very much by a consumer trend and hopefully Express Food Group EFG is at, at the forefront of that. So that's sort of one area. One final area I'll share with you is smartphone auditing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, like many retailers, have always audited our business. You would expect us to. We're required to. We're a franchisee. Yeah. But it would have been a very traditional audit done with pen and paper, clipboards going around kitchens and uh, restaurant areas. And uh, we decided at the end of 2020 that we would move that into a smartphone format. So now all our teams use a smartphone. They it's geo ring fence, so they can't do the audits in their home. <laughs> they have to physically be at the yeah. location. And the audit is very smart. So, you know, it will say to you things like, what is the fridge temperature? Mm -hmm. uh, they record the fridge temperature. It will then say, please photograph the fridge temperature. So there's a check and balance. And also there is a requirement to go back into that system and correct any issues that aren't right. Mm -hmm. So if there's any issues that are not compliant, if there's maintenance work that needs doing, they need to physically go back into the smartphone and confirm that it's done. And that confirmation includes photographic or video and signature evidence as well. So now we have a situation where actually, you know, without traveling to CM Reap, to Poipet, to any of these provincial cities, I have a much clearer view of how my business is doing, mm -hmm. including video and, and photographic evidence. And, um, you know, I'm able to reassure Minor Foods, International Dairy Queen, all my franchisors that I have a much more robust QA system, a quality assurance system. And in a way, the pandemic encourages us to do that because we weren't able to go and check people's audits. We had to find another way to move that forward. And what I would say is, you know, just from a learning for everybody on, on this call, um, the issue 
was not our store managers. Our store managers took to smartphone auditing like a duck to water. Yeah. They use smartphones yeah. all the time. Yeah. For them, it was so much easier than having to find a pen yeah. and write it all down and check their English and or their local language. You know, the people that were challenged by it were often the middle management <laughs> because the middle management yeah. for many years had been used to a particular mm. way of working, and this was a big change. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, hopefully a few examples. Um, Actually, you answered what I was going to follow up on. That was like, I think I think this ties in with one of the, the points that we're going to talk about, the biggest challenges that people face with, mm. you know, the transitioning or the, you know, digital transformation of their industries. And, and that was how was the, um, the adoption process and and was there any um uh, resistance and it's interesting to see that you know when you talk about people in the in in those areas where they're hands-on it's it's not much of a problem but then is this it's the back office is that right kind of like the the the, the behind the scenes um have you recovered from how how much was that how long did that take uh you know for everyone to get used to the new system i think um you know there's a traditional change cycle, isn't there? The, everybody who's um, ever studied an MBA or, or an online course will know. And, you know, it takes time for people to accept change. And you've got to give people time. But you've also got to provide that help and support. So, you know, we um, initially were very keen just to make sure people did the audit. So the audits were scheduled on the system and we spent a lot of time getting people to try and use the system and you know the nice thing about technology is you can see who your bottom quartile are you know you have the data you know who's struggling now people struggle to adopt things maybe for a variety of reasons maybe they didn't want us to audit their restaurant (laughs) that could have been the reason another reason could be they struggled with you know the technology i mean there could be any number of reasons so what we did was we really went for, you know, a root cause analysis of those people. And, you know, if people were just not filling in the order, I sent out auditors to spend time and take them through it to uh. check there was nothing uh, and a problem. We we did a lot more training. So in the initial days, it was really about getting people just to embrace the change, to adopt the change. And then as the year has progressed, we've gone into the sort of next stage of the change, which is making sure now they follow through on it, Mm. that we actually analyze it, that we actually learn from it, that we are continuously improving in what we do. But we're taking it one step at a time. And, you know, um, like any change, it's not perfection yet. Um, It takes us on average three days, 16 hours and four minutes to address some of the issues. Mm. Now, you know, if that's uh, an issue that requires somebody to travel from Phnom Penh to see and reap to fix, that's perhaps not too bad. Mm. But if it's a a major compliance issue, that's far too long. Mm. So, you know, the nice thing about the technology is that you literally can come right down to how long is it taking you to fix a problem? Mm -hmm. And is that acceptable? And then you can deploy the resources, the financials, the support to constantly improve. You know, the biggest challenge for me with change in any business and technology is no different is people if give up too quick Mm, mm. and never give up, Mm. never give up. You know, technology is never perfect. You know, new new technology will come along. Mm -hmm. New upgrades will come along. 
but never give up. Just keep pursuing. You know, it's interesting because it seems as if you, you know, I have that sense of positivity from you in, in terms of transitioning right. in, you know, tra- uh, digitally. So I wanted to ask, you know, earlier in our talk, you said that, you know, you're pretty much hands-on person. So would you say that your, your, your work in terms of how you, you feel towards it and, and, uh, and the experience of it, um, what is the difference then? Do you feel, what is the difference between the old ways that you were doing your work and, and now, I mean, do you feel more comfortable? Of course, there's no going back, right? <laughs> Well, you know, I thought you were going to ask me a different question, actually, which was, am I very tech savvy? Um, I'm not, actually. I'm yeah. probably quite slow to embrace change. But, you know, it's, it's, I, it's related. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, in no, terms no, of is, you're embracing is, that, and I, and, I mean, like, yeah, like, do you feel more comfortable now? Would you say that it's a different but more more uh, you could, uh, a system of way of doing things that are is giving you more insight, perhaps, than, and, than in the past? Yeah, you know, I don't drive change just for the sake of change. Mm. I mean, you know, let's be very clear about that. But, you know, I do, I am optimistic. I do believe the world will be better um, uh, next year. I do believe our business will be better tomorrow. And yet we need to do things to make that happen. It just doesn't come to you. You're not just blessed with that success. Um, You've got to work at it. So, you know, to me, it is about that that constant improvement. And the thing about retail or F&B is it is about detail. It is about changing small things a thousand times, not necessarily one big thing. So whilst I do spend a lot of my time, I'm the managing director on big strategic decisions. Do we buy this company? Do we enter this market? Actually, the things that are most noticeable to my consumers and the people that work with me are often the small things. Mm -hmm. And it's the small things that can improve um, things. And, you know, those ideas don't come from me. The reason I spend time and I'm hands-on is to help to build my own knowledge to make those smarter decisions. But actually, the decisions that and the changes that need to be made come from the people that work in the company because they're the people that will tell you, if we relayed this counter in a slightly different way, I wouldn't need to keep walking from the coffee machine to the fridge to get the milk. It would literally just be underneath. That would be more efficient. And I would be able to spend more time talking to the customer and and and, and engaging. Mm-hmm. And it's those small sort of things that make a difference. And we've had exactly the same on, on our smartphone app. You know, people were going, actually, if you just always scroll um, left to right, it, it is a more natural. And in one of our setups, you had to scroll down the page. It just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a natural behavior that people who were using smartphones at, at the time were doing. I wouldn't have necessarily spotted that. But by spending time with the people, doing an audit with them, learning how they were using the technology, both myself and our technology provider could see subtle ways that we could improve the change to make it more impactful and more acceptable. So now when you take a look at the the wider, uh, you know, mm-hmm. picture of, of the, the markets uh, and, and in your industry here in Southeast Asia, I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. from outside the region want to know what what are the major markets, what, are, what movements are you seeing in the past two years that you see that there's great potential and growth? Uh, which which countries are you seeing uh, uh, a movement that's distinct? I mean, 
here in Cambodia, we are relatively small country, mm-hmm. um, 16 million population, only 21% urbanized. But we are seeing uh, with a very young demographic, um, a big growth in the F&B industry. And we've gone, for example, from one year ago, having two international pizza brands to seven today. So uh, we're seeing a growth in um, development of shopping malls. We're seeing more of a growth in provincial cities. So, you know, the F&B market here in Cambodia is very dynamic. Um, And I think, you know, in some ways it will be at the forefront of embracing technology because the populace is very young, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, young people by nature obviously are are more exposed to technology younger and and are more open to change. So I think you're going to find Cambodia growing super fast. Uh, This year we're planning to open 32 locations, new locations here, um, including some interesting developments where we're going to work, for example, with PTT Mm -hmm. um, gas stations, Mm -hmm. um, where you will drive along the road, you will use your Hungry app to order your pizza, you'll arrive at your gas station, your pizza will be ready, you refuel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) grab your Cafe Amazon coffee and and head off on your journey. So, you know, some very exciting things in the pipeline that we're working on. And some of these are being launched as soon as next month. Um, So, yeah, constant growth here in Cambodia. The other market I'm very excited about, and I haven't been to for two years, but I'm going to go next month again, is Laos. Mm. Um, You know, Laos is a small market, Mm -hmm. but I think um, many of your viewers will know um, uh, China and Laos have invested heavily in a rail route from Kuming to Ventien. That rail route has now completed. It is open for freight traffic, but um, it will be open for um, passenger traffic cross-border, hopefully by the end of this year. There's been a big investment also in the road infrastructure, particularly transgressing um, um, Laos from Thailand to Vietnam. And, you know, we've just opened in our second city in Laos, in Park Se in the south, um, to quite phenomenal success. So we've opened Texas Chicken Pizza Company and Dairy Queen there and just launching in the last few days our hungry app delivery business. So we're seeing growth in Laos. We think there is going to be more growth because of the investment in infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um there's less brands there. Mm-hmm. It is again a small market, mm-hmm. but a big opportunity. Um we are in Myanmar. Um, obviously, the situation mm. in Myanmar yeah. is quite challenged, mm-hmm. um, but we do see long-term opportunity for growth. In the short term, obviously, it's very challenged. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I have experience of Vietnam and, and Thailand. Mm. It would be not too difficult to predict at some stage in the future. <laughs> These would be natural markets for EFG to also be um, exploring and opening as we grow our footprint as well. Okay, we've we've uh, I, one last point, uh, and that is um, uh, companies that are listening to us right now who want to scale their businesses in Southeast Asia. What's your advice? Mm-hmm. Oh, when you're talking about scale, I think you've got to consider a number of things. Mm-hmm. You've got to consider your people. Um, you must have people that can grow with the business and. To me, that's always a good mixture of bringing in some talent, but also developing your own talent. You've obviously got to have the cash resources. Um, and, uh, you know, that is important. It's expensive to grow a business. You need to have that cash. And I think particularly the last couple of years, having cash resources has been critical mm-hmm. to tie through a pandemic. 
And then I think, you know, we're, we're talking tech here, you know, technology does help you scale and, and grow. And, you know, we haven't spoken today about back office ERP systems, but that's another area we at EFG have been working on. You know, you do need to be able to go from a small business to a business like we have today of over 100 restaurants and hopefully soon over 200. You need to have the investment in the IT and the technology to support you. Otherwise, you will come to a stage where your growth is limited. So I would say resources, cash and technology are probably the three key areas. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I, and I, you know what? I think we should have another episode and, and to go into more details about the back office. Uh, we'll try to do that in the future. But uh, before we go, we have Texas rapid fire questions for you. Okay. This little light, you know, questions. Um so don't take it seriously. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, the first one is rice or noodles? Oh, rice. Rice. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Flip flops or shoes? Oh, shoes. <laughs> Bad feet. <laughs> cat or dog? Oh, definitely cat. Oh, really? You're a cat person. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Mountain or sea? Oh, that's a harder one. Probably C. Probably C. Okay. Marvel or this is a bit nerdy. Marvel or DC? Oh, that's a hard one because we haven't discussed, but I work with a licensing company, oh. so I gotta be careful here. Um uh probably probably Oh, um, DC, I'll go with. Okay. <laughs> but I've upset my friends at Marvel. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> wow, that's but that's interesting, DC. Uh, tea or coffee? Oh, definitely coffee. Okay, Netflix or Disney Plus? <laughs> Another. Oh, Netflix. <laughs> iOS or Android? iOS. And uh, lastly, sweet or sour? This is going to be interesting. Oh, sweet. I'm a sweet oh, one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being so sweet to us. You're Martin welcome. Darby, Managing Director of the Express Food Group. And hopefully we can talk to you in the future about uh, more about the technological changes that you're facing in the uh, food industry here in Southeast Asia. And we look forward to seeing and hearing more things from your company. Thank you so much, Swadika. Thank you very much, Swadika. Sauce, sparking innovative thoughts.